Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. We are going to be diving into the not necessarily the most like exciting topic, but very, very important topic of building workflows in your financial coaching business. And Josh, I'm just curious from your perspective, like why are workflows important and something that we're talking about and elevating? That was actually what I was thinking that we should start with. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't prepare beforehand. So the reason why workflows are incredibly important, there's a thousand reasons. We'll talk about the, like the biggest ones that kind of a lot of other ones fall under. Uh, first, it's because you cannot scale your business without workflows. When you are trying to do things with one or two clients, you can kind of make it up as you go. You can kind of keep everything in your head at the same time. But we're not even talking about scaling to hundreds of clients. Scaling to 10 clients becomes incredibly problematic. And so if you want to turn it from this little thing that I do on the side every once in a while to hopefully having consistent income, to having a side gig out of it, to growing it to a full-time income, right? You have to have processes in place that you are that are consistent. Because just even keeping track of where your different clients are at different stages and what your last conversation with them was becomes incredibly problematic. So one, you just can't scale beyond a couple of clients. Second is that you will spend an enormous amount of wasted time trying to figure out what the next step is when you don't have workflows. Even when you have one or two clients, you're still sitting there thinking, okay, so we just had this conversation. What do I have to do next? And you multiply even the one or two minutes it takes to figure that out as you grow your clients and each individual step of the clients uh, and you are wasting huge amounts of your time where you could literally just have a workflow that says client did this or I did this. The next step is that. And it takes literally half a second to figure out what comes next. The next reason is you will be better at coaching with workflows. 100%. You'll have consistency with your clients. You will not miss certain things. So you come into a budget meeting and then you realize, oh crap, I forgot to ask what their rent was as you're building their budget, which is, you know, a little bit of a big deal when it comes to the budget line item expenses. Um, And so just make sure that little mistakes don't happen, that you hit everything that needs to be hit and that you have consistency for clients. And a lot of people, they want to argue with this and say, oh, no, but the whole point of this is that I will have a personalized experience for the other person. You still have a personalized experience if everyone goes through the exact same process because it's still you talking with the other person. 
what you're going to talk about is going to be right. But the process is the same. And when you have a personalized experience where there is no consistency, it means that people can't refer you because I'm going to tell my friend Garrett, Hey, let me tell you about all this stuff that happened. And then Garrett hires me and he didn't get that experience. So what am I a second class citizen all of a sudden, or is Garrett a second class citizen all of a sudden, right? And so referability becomes problematic. Yeah, you'll get one referral, but the person may have this negative experience of, well, I didn't get all of that. And then now the person that referred you feels bad about it and doesn't want to refer anyone else. Huh. And then there's tons of other reasons, but we'll just stick with those big, because I think those are big enough to, to go on. Yeah, to not have yeah. to go on. Yeah. And we experience this with launch. Everyone hates workflows until they experience one and do one and actually start using it. And then it's like instant converts, right? And so just, they're going to not seem very exciting, but once you do them, then they become so helpful. And I'll even say once you start even just conceptualizing them and get (laughs) over the hump, like in my initial case of just starting to write them out then it gets more exciting because you see how the process will make your life easier. You get to see how you can make the process better, not just like better for yourself in saving you more time, but like better for the client, which is really fun because you're like, okay, if I make sure I consistently do these steps and I add this thing in and then they get more value, it takes less of my time. I have more consistency, they get a better experience. So it's also just kind of fun in my perspective to, to be putting them together, but you just, or I had to get over that initial hump of like, okay, this is going to be a lot of work when I first kind of was introduced to doing them. So know that there'll be a little hesitation or that might be there. But once you start taking the leap, I think the momentum kind of builds wanting to do it more and more. Yeah. Workflows are like high dives, right? The first time you jump off of it, it's hard to make that first step. So <laughs> I was like, I know where you're going. <laughs> Never heard that as an example, but you know what? We'll roll with it. I don't mind. Just randomly popped into my head. Uh, (laughs) Love it. Well, yeah, in terms of- Let's talk workflows. Let's talk about uh, how to build one. And as Garrett mentioned, we can't go into a deep dive like we do in launch on how to build workflows and what example workflows look like and et cetera, et cetera. But hopefully we can give a high level overview that at least gets you guys started on workflows. And the, what a workflow basically is, is identifying what are the steps, what are the decision points, what are the deliverables, what are the conversations, right? What are these nodes that happen in what order? And so what a workflow does is it gives you a very easy way of identifying where you are in any process and what is coming next. And you can see much further out into the future because you can see the entire workflow. And that helps to be able to identify a a client says something. And I've actually done this where I've had my workflow up. I don't usually have my workflow up during client meetings, but I happen to have been working on it and just moved it off to the side. And a client said something during a meeting and it just triggered me because I was like, I was just looking at something that this relates to in the workflow. And I glanced down at the workflow and I had this epiphany about something that was going to happen based on something that the client randomly said during the conversation. 
I don't think I would have had that epiphany if, well, definitely if I didn't have workflows, I probably wouldn't have had it. I may not have had it if I hadn't had the workflow in front of me. Right. Um, and those epiphanies won't be as obvious to you, but they will happen when you have workflows because you have planned out all the little steps. And so it's easier to see the connections between what you're doing now and how it might impact things in the future. Yeah. And just in case this is, this comes up for anyone, having workflows or having even something up during a meeting is not, does not mean that like you aren't good at what you do or doesn't mean that like you're cheating. It's actually a fantastic way to make sure that you touch on every single thing that is important to touch on in that meeting. So yeah. My workflows I, are built into my PowerPoint presentations. So <laughs> I actually do always have my workflows up for that meeting. They're just awesome. subtle inside the PowerPoint presentation so the client doesn't quite notice it. Yeah. And yeah, probably not like pulling it right in front of me. Like, okay, what's next? Right. I'm looking down the right. list. But to have them there in present, whether it's you've done it so much that you've internalized it or that it's kind of up on a wall behind your computer. If it, you know, you're in that stage where you haven't yet fully internalized it, that can be really helpful to have. So let's show an example of a workflow, or at least an example of a high level starting point of just sort of mapping out pieces. Yeah, for sure. So um, this was going through and since I recently, are you able to see that by the way? Yep. Perfect. So as I have changed who my ideal client is, kind of going through and updating workflows. And so just kind of starting to flush out and figure out how to um, God, make this work in Word. Use Lucidchart before, which I think gave me like three options, three or three charts for free, and then I hit my max. So <laughs> yeah, this just being, Josh, you mentioned you can do workflows for all sorts of things. So we've been kind of talking about it within the context of client meetings. But this, for example, is just from the stage of when someone says, when someone books a consultation to mm -hmm. like what would happen between that point and when they either say yes or say no, right. or don't get back to me. And so this is a good beginning for the workflow. <laughs> I know. We talked about putting Josh's workflow up on the screen and it's just like for, you know, for, for a similar process, like four times more things than this. And it's just delightfully overwhelming. So I was like, we'll start with some baby steps, you know, yeah. fleshing yeah. it out. Um, where um, we hit mastery. But let's talk about why I say it is the first step, right? What, what's, what's missing from it that, that the workflow doesn't take into consideration. And so when we have a, when we have a workflow like this, it's a very linear process, right? It's this happens and this happens and this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And very rarely in life are things that yeah. this is a great start to a workflow because it says in the ideal world, this would happen, then this would happen, then this would happen, then this would happen, right? So it lays out what your ideal path is. But we have to start thinking about, okay, what is going to happen next? What is going, what is, what are the possible outcomes of step two? And how would I want to respond to each of those? outcomes. So here we've got a step that says, have an amazing 20 minute prospect call. That's right in the middle of that right-hand column. Uh, love the confidence. We definitely want to have those self-fulfilling prophecies thrown into our workflows, but we also have to plan for when that doesn't happen. 
And so it might be that we might have four different outcomes from your prospect call. People may the, not even show. Right. So if they don't show, what happens? What's, what's the steps in the workflow for that? And that brings it down its own line. If they do show, if you have a positive response in the, in the prospect call, then you're going to go down these steps. If you have a lukewarm response from the person, you're going to go down this separate set of steps. If you have a negative response from the prospect call, right? A negative experience in the prospect call. Well, that might be divided into two, which is it's because the other person, you didn't connect with the other person, which means probably not going to send them the contract, right? But that doesn't mean that we necessarily don't have opportunity there, right? It just may not be this person's not going to sign a contract with you. So we might have a process for that. Or we have a situation where you feel they're not the right person for you. You just didn't like the vibe. You didn't like the experience, whatever it happens to be. And, or they're just not in your niche. And so as a result, you have a process for how to deal with that. And by laying out all the different possibilities, that is how we get, how we make it so that it's faster to deal with situations because we know what comes next when there are multiple possibilities. The other thing that's missing is loops. So loops are where something happens. And then in order to move on to the next spot, the client has to do something. Well, that's something that's not in our control. Or the client's tax accountant has to do something. Or the client's fill in the blank. Right? Anyone other than you has to do something. And now it's not in your control. So do we then just say, oh, until the client follows up with me, I'm just not going to engage with the client? We need to be able to have a loop that says, okay, the next step after I send this to the client is they're supposed to give me the information. Well, I don't have control over them giving me the information, but I can control checking for whether the information is there. I'm going to check for the information. If yes, I move down, move further. If no, I loop back to a previous step, which is sending the email requesting the information. Got it. And that's going to loop us back to the beginning of the work of that part of the workflow which is going to put us back into, I'm going to check for the information coming in. And if I don't have it, I'm going to loop back to send an email, right? You could, that's what a loop means. And that doesn't mean we're going to copy and paste the exact same email every time, right? We might've sent the same email three times. And on the fourth email, we say, okay, you know what? We need to get on a call because this is a problem. And that's the email that we're going to send. Yeah. The other thing that's missing is time periods. You don't want to send the email and then immediately go, okay, the next step is to check. I'm going to check if they gave me the information, right? They haven't even gotten it yet. Yeah. And so we need to say, what is a reasonable period of time between step eight and step nine, right? And so we might say, you know, it takes eight days generally for clients to get back to me. Or I want, or this is something that I want to get an, inform- an answer back within four days. And so we would have, we would want to have time periods on each one of these steps or the gaps between each one of these steps. 
where we say, in eight days, I'm going to check to see if I've got this information from the client. Then that's going to loop back. When you have a workflow like this, by the way, that makes it very easy for you not to have everything in your head because the workflow told you, you look up, you look at your workflow and it says, check an email or send this email. So you take the email, you send it, and then you can immediately say, ooh, in six days, I'm supposed to check. So I'm going to, in Outlook, in my task management software, in whatever I'm using, right, Gmail tasks, whatever, I'm just going to type in a task, check for this information, put the deadline or the flag for four days from now, and it'll pop up in my to-do list in four days. And for people who are new to workflows, and I'm not a workflow expert, uh, just in terms of shaping those initial workflows, um, any suggestions on tools to use or ways to approach it? Because for example, I'm like, okay, setting this up with loops at this point, I, I kind of have some of the days in my head, right? So I figure mm -hmm. like days I can add in here pretty quickly. Loops would be a little bit more challenging and how to even structure that. So how to not let perfect be the enemy of the good when you're getting started with workflows. Um, so let's do a loop right now. Okay. Go to insert. Sure. Click on shapes, the little down arrow for it. Let's see. And my okay. Are you seeing that? Yep, I'm seeing it. Yep. Cool. Oh, wait, no. I'm only seeing that's very weird. I can see it say left brace, but it doesn't show me what those are. So oh, uh, there is a little arrow that <laughs> looks like a uh, a bent arrow, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So you can literally take that and connect it from one of uh, the have an amazing prospect, 20 minute prospect call okay. on one side. So click on, click there and then point it to another. Well, yeah, we don't uh -huh. want to loop backwards to behind, right. but yeah, there, now you've created a loop. Okay. And you can change the color, right? Now the right. reality is you would want, that wouldn't say have an amazing prospect call. That would say, is the uh, information in the system, <laughs> right? right? Have I got this information? Yes or no. And it would be, uh, yes, go down, no loop back. Got it. So that would be the easy way of doing it. Uh, there's software that you can do all sorts of fun stuff with, but let's be honest, you don't want to learn a new software. <laughs> yeah. And you don't want to pay for software just for flow charts when you're just starting off with them. Right. Yeah. So yeah, just basically visualize it. I sometimes like to just draw out my flow charts on a piece of paper first. Yeah. And that way, when I create it in, if I'm creating it in Word, as an example, I just go, okay, what options do I have in Word to make something look like that? <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll second that for sure. Just like pen to paper, you can much more easily and quickly get it down, which is the most important step. I think for just, you know, so there's less of a barrier of trying to add fleshing out ideas plus tech on top of it, and then being really frustrated that you can't get the arrows to go in the direction that you like, or, you know, adding more barriers to what really is just the initial ideation and stuff down on paper. So I like that idea yeah. and suggestion. Um, so let's talk about how to build a workflow. Okay. And um, when I said earlier that this is a good start to a workflow, 
a lot of people interpret that. Garrett kind of laughed, suggesting that he may have been interpreting that as me saying, this isn't a real workflow, but at least you have something pat on the head. The reality is that's how you start workflows. You don't start workflows with all the fancy stuff. You start workflows with literally, what do I want to have happen? Okay, I want to have this meeting with the client. Then I want to have this meeting with the client. Then I want to have this meeting. Or I want this email to get sent out. Then we're going to have this meeting. Then I'm going to have this document sent to them. Right? Yeah. It's literally just this simple list of the steps. And then you think through, okay, when between these two things, what are the sub steps? What could happen? What, how would I respond to if this happens? And so when I said it's a start to a workflow, it literally is that's how you want to start your workflows. I will generally start my workflows not by drawing out a workflow. I will start my workflows with just a simple piece of paper and I will just write down on each line, this is what I want to happen. This is what I want to happen. This is what I want to happen. Right. Um, then what I'll do is after I get those lines kind of laid out and say, this is the big idea of the steps. Uh, so let's say I'm doing a workflow for a series of meetings with a client. Okay. Okay, I have to, this has to happen, then this has to happen, then this has to happen, then this has to happen. So those are the topics of the meetings. Then I'll go back and just write those topics down, but skip eight lines in between each one and just brainstorm things like, okay, th I'd like this to happen. I'd like this to be in this meeting. I'd like to this, and I'd like to ask this question, right? Just brainstorming what each of those things is going to be made up of. And then I'll take that and actually go, okay, now I'll start drawing boxes and drawing lines and that type of thing. Um, and so don't feel like you have to start with this incredibly complex workflow that looks like what you would find as an example in launch from my workflows or on, on Google image shirt search. Uh, you can just start with, here are the four things I want to have happen. Great. You've got to start to a workflow. Congratulations. You are further along than most people. You need to celebrate yourself because you are an awesome entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing just to point out before we wrap up is we put down why you should revisit the completed workflow from the client's perspective. So I think just why is that important and how can people do that? And should yeah. I keep this up as an example graphic or jump back to us? Um, yeah, let's jump back to us. Um, cool. the, so yeah, one of the things that we talk about a lot in launch is that you need to view things from the client's perspective and here's how to do that. Right. Yeah. And the reason why is because the whole point of building anything in your business is to serve your client. And even if you want to be completely selfish and say, no, the whole point was for me to make money. Okay, great. How are you going to, where is that money going to come from? Well, for my clients, why are they going to give you their money that they work for? Well, because I gave them something of benefit. Oh, okay. So it is about the client anyway, right? Yeah. Um, no matter what, it's always about the client. And when we build workflows from our perspectives, we forget the stresses that that can place on clients. We can overlook things that may seem very obvious to us. But right. in reality, are completely opaque to a client, right? Well, of course, this has to happen before this because that's how it's done, right? But a client would be wouldn't be hiring you if they knew everything about how it was done. Yeah. 
Um, and so we want to think it through from the perspective of what is the client's experience for this workflow? And how is the how can I rebuild this workflow to make that client experience easier, more positive, take less of their time, be less confusing, be less about, well, why am I doing this? And we've all had this experience while we were in college. Every single one of you had that teacher that said, here's what you need to do. You're like, well, why the hell do I have to do that? Right. And years later, it was like, oh, now I totally understand why I had to do that. But that's not a failing of you as a student because you didn't figure it out while you were in college. That was the teacher failing of not explaining why that step was important. <laughs> 100%. Right. Yeah. And we don't want to be that person with our clients. Got it. Cool. Well, I know this was pretty high level, um, but we did get into a little bit of detail with the uh, workflow, the little baby workflow that I <laughs> shared. Um, and I'll have fun with all those arrows uh, once we're off the call. But if you have any questions uh, and things that we did not get to, let me just go and look at the comments. Oh, so Danielle asked, do you have a workflow to get someone to agree to the free consult? Like a lead generation flow, maybe. Yeah. So let me just say, if I, if there is a workflow, if there is something in my business, I either have a workflow or have a to-do list to build it. Um, I'm, or I have he's a, a bit, he's a bit ironic. Do it. I, hopefully I'm pointing to the correct side, uh, depending <laughs> on how Facebook is doing this. I'll point to maybe that side. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so yeah, I do. And the, that workflow is, it, it, it's dependent upon how I've engaged with the client beforehand, right? Mm -hmm. So that workflow is going to be very different if I'm taught, if I, I met the person in person and I'm trying to get it there, right? Uh, and that workflow is going to be important, is going to be completely different if this was someone that uh, was a referral from someone else and they sent me an email or any number of different things. Um, so there are very specific workflows that I have for getting people to agree. Uh, notice I said though, that I have a workflow for having a conversation with someone. And the reason why that is important is because knowing that, I know that the conversation is gonna start with awkward, hi, how are you? My name is, right? And I know I want to end at this certain point. And I know that in order to get to that certain point, I have to pass through these other points in the conversation, right? I can't just talk about random stuff and then say, oh, by the way, let's schedule a meeting, right? I have to pass through these specific things. And having it laid out doesn't mean that I'm going to force the conversation to go where I want it to go. But it means that I have the opportunity to know what are the things that I need to go through in order to get to the point where I can say that. And so I can look for those opportunities as they naturally come up in the conversation. Got it. Right. Um, and so it's, it's a lot of people when they hear, I have a workflow for having a conversation with someone, they think, Oh, well, that just means you're going to control the conversation. And to some extent, it does mean that I'm going to, um, 
that I'm I going to conversation. The conversation, right? I'm going to guide it, but it's not guiding it in a manipulative way. It's not guiding it in a selfish way. It's being aware of what I want out of the conversation and what has to happen in order to get that. And then making, being able to be aware of what's happening in the conversation so that when they bring something up, not me, I'm capable of taking advantage of that opportunity because I can make those connections because I know what the whole process looks like. Yeah. And I think it um, can, uh, I think emphasizing with what Danielle said about um, lead generation workflow mm-hmm. is like depending where people come from. I think, as you said, you have those different workflows. So it may look like for some people, they find you or they head to your website sign up for your email list, you have an email series, it points to either the free call or there could be some multiple steps in between and kind of just understanding what is that general, I guess that's more of a funnel, at -hmm. least just knowing how people come and find you, but then building workflows inside of that funnel or other funnels. Just using marketing terms, I like kind of understand. I heard there's a funnel Uh, here. uh, Yeah. You know, thing there. Marketing funnel is basically a, uh, an advertising campaign workflow, a simple advertising campaign workflow or a workflow for an advertising, simple workflow for an advertising campaign. Yeah. Uh, but Martin's got to make it sound all cool. So we're going to call it a funnel. Wow. So <laughs> rad. Uh, that's great. Okay. So Daniel said, awesome. I would love to learn more on that. I feel I meet and know so many potential clients, but I freeze on how to move it to book a session. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's well, add a list of things to talk about. I was going to say, that's a, that's a good question because people that, you know, it could be people who have expressed interest, um, how to move it forward, you know, are these people that you know could you or you think could use it, but they haven't expressed interest. Um, it could, because those would look different in kind of how you engage them as well. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Dan. Oh, Chi said, yeah, having worked for a few Fortune 500s, that's how most of us start our projects with workflows. Maybe later on, some programmers will make a fancy software. <laughs> uh, there are s- some fancier softwares for workflows, but don't let them get in the way of, like what Josh said, just get it down on paper. Um, and I'll also echo what she just said, which is uh, join FCN. You'll get a lot more from there, smiley face. <laughs> yeah. She would know. Uh, she would it, absolutely yeah. know, considering he is doing it. So anything that we didn't get to? You have questions. And you get to see my crazy workflow in FCN. I mean, that that in and of itself is worth the price of admission. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, everybody. Appreciate you so much. And we will see you around in the group. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.